and welcome into the latest edition of the Sharpshooters. I'm David Schuster, joined as always by my partner, Andy Roth. And uh, we might be joined by a special mystery guest. You never know. So stay tuned for that. But right now, Andy, uh, by the way, this podcast, of course, is uh, brought to you by DraftKings and more from our sponsor in just a little bit. But we're just one week away from the NBA regular season. Really looking forward to it. My Bulls are playing pretty well. My Bulls, like like I'm a stockholder or something. That's not the case. You wish. They're playing very well in the preseason, so I think they're going to be better than most people think. Your Knicks are playing better than uh, maybe a lot of people think as well. And the Nets, of course. The Nets are in the news, aren't they, Andy? And they're in the drama division that's known as the Atlantic division because both Brooklyn and Philly, you know, providing plenty of drama. And with Kyrie... Kyrie made a decision for himself. The Nets made the move that's right for themselves, and that's where we're at right now. I have a feeling the Nets wish they didn't have this headache in Irving, but they did the right thing for the team in going forward and concentrating on the guys they had there. Yeah, now let's update people what exactly we're talking about. Uh, Kyrie Irving was a long time – well, he's been a holdout, okay? And it has everything to do with uh, vaccination – and it finally came out, if it wasn't yesterday, it was today, Andy, that he's not against the vaccine itself. He's against the mandate to get the vaccine, not only for him and the rest of the NBA players, but mandates in general. I don't know if that's true or not, Andy. That sounds like such BS. I'm just going to say it, okay? He's an idiot. He's an absolute idiot. And in the long run, he will cave in. If not, his agent's going to beat him over the head because his agent's not going to get his money either. I'm not so sure he caves. He's a man of strong convictions. So, you know, realistically, he has enough money to live 10 lifetimes. So I really don't see him caving. Maybe uh, he's hoping that the vaccine mandates will change here in New York, but I do not see him caving. Well, he's a person who believes the earth is flat, so I'm not so sure it's convictions. I think it's lack of intelligence. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I just think he's an idiot in this instance. That's just my opinion. And listen, he's a gifted basketball player. We all know that. But he's also been a little bit of more than a, just a little bit of a headache wherever he's been, whether it was in Cleveland or now, of course, with Brooklyn. And I'm just really curious. I mean, has it been point blank put to Kevin Durant, who basically brought him along with himself to Brooklyn, you know, to you know form a partnership and ultimately win an NBA championship? You know, has Durant been asked point blank, are you talking to this guy and trying to make some sense with him? No, I just think, no, Durant has just basically said, you know, I have to respect his decision and we just have to focus on what we have to do. Now, juxtapose that to now Ben Simmons going to Philadelphia. I think Ben does care about his paycheck where I don't think it's as important to Kyrie. All right. Well, I'll make you a little bit of a wager. You're, you're, you're a wagerer kind of person. I will wager you that he does cave in eventually. What do you want to wager? Uh, and what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, well, you propose the bet. Now I have to make the odds. Uh, uh, look, either a deep dish Chicago pizza or uh, a standard pie in New York. How's oh, that? God, I mean, I would get the if, if even if I uh, lost, I would get the worst of that. that. Your pizza stinks. I wow, you just insulted New York. I did. <laughs> well, um, makes this podcast better. <laughs> I, I, 
I'm a man who will not retaliate in this instance. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, because there's no retaliation. I, I think he will cave in. I really do. Um, I think somebody, and it might be his agent. Is he married, by the way? Uh, girlfriend, and he recently had a child. Okay. His girlfriend will beat some sense into him. Not physically beat some sense into him, but I think she'll talk some sense into him. I don't have any inside scoop on that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we'll see. Um because obviously this affects the Nets. I mean, it goes without saying, um, you know, the Nets played without him. He had all kinds of injuries last year. That's another reason. I mean, he's been missing basketball now for over a year. That's another reason why I think eventually he does cave in. But, you know, the Nets without Kyrie Irving still obviously have, if not the best player in the world, he's in the top two or three in Kevin Durant. I mean, James Harden is also probably top 10 player in the world, maybe even better than that. But you're missing part of your tripod in, in Kyrie Irving. And this is what this franchise, and you and I have both said that if all three of these guys are healthy, especially last year, they win the NBA championship. So, I mean, I say good for the Nets. I say you're an idiot, Kyrie Irving, and I still say he, he caves in. That's but at least, David, they have a luxury unlike any other team where – they lose a star player, they and they're still favorites to win the championship. It's it's a great luxury to have, at least. I don't know if they're the favorite. Well, listen, they'll be – yeah, maybe they are, maybe they're not. But they're more of a lock, obviously, if he plays. It goes without saying. Right, um, but keep in mind, they m- took Milwaukee to overtime in the seventh game with no Kyrie and Harden on one leg. So with Durant and Harden healthy – you know, they're capable of beating anybody and would be the favorites in the series. Yeah, well, unfortunately, Joe Harris is still going to be missing shots no matter what, so sorry. Well, maybe that. Steve Nash will be smart enough not to play him big minutes in a playoff series. <laughs> maybe Steve Nash will come out of retirement. Steve, Steve doesn't listen to this podcast, does he? I think it'd be better if he does. We'll well, that's have, true. Yeah. We'll have him on next week. All right, all right. Yeah. So that's the, that's the Brooklyn situation. Uh, I've made myself clear, so have you. The Ben Simmons situation is... And I guess it was a surprise that, you know, all of a sudden he showed up. Yeah, I haven't really heard that much ever since he showed up. I don't think he's practiced. He's got to go through whatever protocol and, you know, get vaccinated. I think he's vaccinated. By, by the way, real quickly, is Kyrie Irving vaccinated? If he's not against vaccination, is he vaccinated? Well, no, if he was vaccinated, there wouldn't be an issue. But he's supposedly against mandates. So I th- he, he supposedly is fighting for the people who don't believe in vaccines. That's why he wants to stand with them. I mean, look, that's his. That's basically the explanation out there. All right, and I'm not. A, I'm not a psychiatrist. Okay, I, you know, I'm getting off the basketball. Well, let's get back to Ben. And there, there was a little bit of an up, update today with Ben. Okay, go from ahead. Doc Rivers, but Doc Rivers said he's not sure if Ben is actually rejoining the team. So we're in a bit of limbo. I mean, if I had a guess, one, Ben wants his paycheck, and two. If Ben does want to move on, it's better for Ben and Philly that he does play. That's my take. Oh, of course it is. I mean, first of all, he's got to show that both mentally and physically that he's able to even play basketball emotionally as well. But I'll tell you what, Andy, of all cities to pull the shenanigans that he's pulling in, you know, in Philadelphia, where, you know, the old standard line is they'll boo Santa Claus at Christmas. You know, Ben Simmons, if he if he does dress in a Philly 76ers uniform, boy, is he going to hear it like no athlete in that city has ever heard it. 
Yeah, there's no doubt he'd have to win the fans back, but basically I don't think he'll have to be there long enough to where it will really matter. It's hard to imagine that he plays a full season with his team. No, I'm not suggesting that he does, but even if he plays five or ten games, um, he's going to hear it like no tomorrow. You know, it, and I've gone on record, you know I have, a bunch of times saying he's got at least a chance of being the most improved player in the NBA for that award. All he's got to do is play basketball, not only up to his capabilities, but improve in some of the areas of which I think he's capable of doing. I'm not so sure. You know, just shoot 70% from the free throw line and, and have some, co- you know, cojones to shoot the basketball with the game on the line. You know, Embiid said he'd have no problem accepting them back. I haven't, you know, heard the polling of the whole team if they'd accept them back. But listen, he makes them a better team. So I'm sure that the players, even though they probably give it to him in the locker room, they would welcome him back, you know, to be a teammate. Yeah, but to me what's telling is no matter on whatever level, when you see a guy that's willing to shoot jump shots in pickup games but is scared to death to shoot a five to ten footer in the NBA, you know, you're talking about mind over matter. So it's it's not just an issue of him working on his jump shot but believing in himself. And in, in anything, to be good, to be great, you've got to believe in yourself. Okay, And, that's and he doesn't why, believe in himself at this point. Okay, that's why I'm saying he has got to play to show other teams that he is over that hump, if you will, of, of not being scared of taking shots, okay? Because what team is going to trade for him? And you saw one of the rumors that Philly was asking from Portland three first-round picks plus I don't know what else. I'm not giving up three first-round picks for a guy who was scared to take a shot in a playoff game. Not a chance. No, I mean, look, this is not a superstar player, but they want uh, a return of a superstar player, and I don't think that's ever happening. Three first-round picks for somebody? No, I don't think they're going to get the kind of return they're hoping to get, unless miraculously he comes out and, let's say, in this first month of the season – And, you know, he's hitting his mid-range shots and occasionally hitting threes. Yeah, even then, no no team's giving up three first-round picks. I'm sorry. They're just not doing that. Anyway, we'll see what happens there. I still think he's a really good basketball player. I mean, how can you come back to the city and still not play? I mean, what what are you going to do? Just go to one of those uh, super suites or something like that, you know? And just uh, sit there for what? You got you got to you got to come over to the team and play, right? Yeah. Well, ongoing conversations. We'll see how the soap opera plays out. Wow. I mean, you were you were absolutely right. I mean, the Eastern, uh, what is it? No, the Atlantic East? Division. The Atlantic Division. No, it's now called the Drama Division. I told you. Drama Division. My God, <laughs> what knuckleheads both of them. All right. Um, I'm gonna. There, there's a subject I want to ask you about, and I know you're gonna have some fun with this. But, you know, let's talk about the two. Well, we already talked about the Nets. What about your Knicks? Your Knicks are playing pretty good in the preseason. You know, what are they doing right? And is already Thibodeau burning out his players? No, I mean, look, again, this season is all about Julius Randle showing that last year wasn't a fluke, that maybe he could even build on it. I really do like his skill set on both ends of the floor. It's about R.J. Barrett taking another step in his game. Uh, Mitchell Robinson coming back from injuries last year. Um, has to show what he's made of. But the bottom line is, is like many NBA teams, they still need a superstar. And I know the Knicks and the fans are hoping and wishing that will happen. And I basically think it's unrealistic expectations because Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal 
are not franchise players. Guys like Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, uh, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, uh, even an Anthony Davis, they're not appearing in a Nick uniform anywhere in the near future. That's the reality. I agree with you there. Um, how about what's going on with the Lakers out in Los Angeles? I mean, you know, there's some people who are panicking. Oh, my God, the Lakers are playing terrible in the preseason. I'll guarantee you no one will remember what the Lakers did in the preseason about a month down the road. But for what it's worth, they're 0-5, and supposedly LeBron and AD and Russell Westbrook are not gelling at the moment. Come on. Great basketball players, of which I think all three of them are, obviously, eventually figure it out, and there's no question in my mind they will figure it out, and they're the team still to beat in the West. It's the usual ridiculous overreaction, whether it be preseason, opening night, or the first couple of games of of the season. The reality is if LeBron James and Anthony Davis play at a high level, and even if Russell Westbrook is mediocre or just okay, the Lakers will still be an elite team. Because in this league, you win with elite talent. Yeah, superstars will always dominate this sport. There's just no question about it. Um, All right, before we go through a little bit more of the Eastern and Western Conference, uh, one more thing I just want to ask you about. The Chicago Bulls, again, near and dear to me, obviously, they're playing really well in the preseason. I don't know how much you've kept up with them, Andy, but if you look at the box scores, they have throttled uh, a couple of opponents by 40-plus points. What they're doing, you know, if you haven't noticed, is they're running up and down the floor. I mean, so far, I mean, you can't do it all the time, but so far they're a track meet. That's why they needed Lonzo Ball as a as a point guard. I mean, they had no point guard for the last two years. They try to make Kobe White a point guard. He's not that. He's still injured. I still think he's going to be great coming off the bench. But Lonzo Ball is meshing with Zach Levine to make it a really good backcourt. And like I said, they're, they're, Billy Donovan's such a good coach on top of it. They're gelling. I think they're going to be better than most people think. And my question to you, since I don't have the visual, is what stood out to you about Lonzo so far? Almost everything, to be honest with you. He's still shooting from range, which he improved greatly last year. You know that. I mean, the other night he was four of five from three-point range, for what it's worth. He's he's shooting just about 50% from three already in the preseason. He's also, you know, he's got – he plays defense. You know, he doesn't yeah, get the Yeah, very good defender. Yeah. You know, and that's what the Bulls are doing. Their defense is leading to offense. They have a lot of steals, so they're cutting off the passing lanes – even Zach Levine, who is never known for this, is getting into the act. DeRozan, you know, is a decent uh, defensive player. Caruso, who we both know is a really good defensive player, is basically turning into, and I know you love him as a sixth-man kind of player. Bottom line is they're coming up with a lot of steals. Even Vucevic. Vucevic had five steals the other night. That's weird. So their defense is leading to offense, and Ball, you know, is distributing the basketball just like everybody hoped he would. And he's leading the break. I mean, so far, for what it's worth, it's a pretty thing to watch. And how aggressive has he been in terms of trying to attack the hoop and get into the lane? Still not as much as I hope that he will in time. You know, I think. Is that something that's been talked about in oh, Chicago? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, it has been talked about. But I still think that Maurice Cheeks, one of the all-time great players who was able to get into the lane, will get that out of him to some degree also. Um Right now, he's more distributing the basketball but and, and shooting from the outside, which was his M.O. last year down in New Orleans. But I think in due time, you'll see him also attack the basket. Is there a different type of optimism in Chicago than you've seen 100%. in recent years? 
hundred percent. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. I mean, again, if they'd start the preseason right now, they're four and zero. If they started the preseason zero and four, it's just the way it is in sports. People would say they stink. They stink. But you know, they're not only are they winning and playing pretty basketball and low turnovers, by the way, Andy. You know, for a running team to be under ten turnovers a game, that's damn impressive. And I hate to be mean, but for me, addition by subtraction with no Larry Markin in this year. Yeah, well, that that's true too. Go ahead and answer that phone, Andy. Is is that our mystery guest? <laughs> I'm going to talk in the interim. By the way, I will do right now. I will do the read. We are brought to you by DraftKings, and another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, Andy, I know your phone just rang. This is like talking about a live podcast. Was that our mystery guest? It is our mystery guest. Hopefully, he will be joining us momentarily. Well, hopefully he will because we're not doing this all that much longer. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, let me ask you this. In in some of the preseason games you've watched, anybody uh, as far as the visiting teams uh, stood out to you? Well, again, they throttled New Orleans by they, – they led New Orleans and Cleveland by 50. So, no, nobody impressed me on either of those two teams. Then they played Cleveland a second time. And actually, Mobley played well in that second game. So, I know you like Mobley. He, he had a double-double for what it's worth. He's the rookie center, obviously, from USC. Um, and I can't even remember who the fourth game was against. And they got one more preseason game coming up. And then they open up uh, – let's see. They open up – on the road, I think at Detroit, uh, they played Detroit also and beat them on uh, in preseason. So they open up on the road at Detroit. Then they have home games next week against uh, New Orleans. Okay. And Zion has a foot issue. That's right. Yeah. You may not be seeing him. Yeah. Uh, that's too bad because I love seeing great players. So Yeah. Anyway. But you mentioned Mobley. I, I, I'm really, really impressed with him and got a great chance to be the best player in this draft class with with his ability with his length and athleticism and an ability to defend one through five um he could wreck wreak havoc on that end of the floor all right we are now joined by our mystery guest who has signed <laughs> in andy go ahead and do your intro a uh, good friend of mine chris sheridan longtime nba reporter writing for maxim right now and the betting analyst i believe for betway isn't that correct chris that's correct andy how are you good 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 of you to join us um we, we started out talking about the, uh, the soap operas in the Atlantic Division, and I was wondering your take on Kyrie and what eventually will happen in Brooklyn. I think he'll eventually 
relenting to take a vac- vaccine, to be honest with you. Um, although with that guy, you know, you got to expect the unexpected. I wouldn't put anything past him sitting out a whole season. Um, might be something he, he doesn't mind doing. Um, you know, it's not going to become irrelevant even by sitting out a season. Um, some of these uh, executive orders expire before the season ends. So, what will be the law? What's right now the law in New York City might not necessarily be the law in March. Uh, so, I think the situation is just going to evolve as it evolves. And certainly, Kyrie could make it easy on everybody by going and getting himself a vaccine. Um, most people have done it. Uh, it seems like the smart thing to do. I got three, and I'm still standing. So, I, you know, <laughs> Chris, I'm going to get my third one. I hope even tomorrow, my booster shot, if you will. Um, Andy and I have a little bet on this one. He says he's not going to relent. I say he will. I'm betting a deep dish Chicago pizza for one of your New York pies. So we'll see who uh, gets fat uh, off the other guy, literally and figuratively. Um, what kind of pressure, though, are his teammates, his, his agent, even his girlfriend putting on him to to relent here? I, You know, him and Kevin Durant are very tight. I think James Harden is a, is a very close friend of his as well. Um, you know, and... and those guys were kind of hesitant about the vaccine for quite a while as well, but they eventually relented. And I think that was probably part of Sean Marks's plan uh, and Steve Nash's plan is let's get him with his teammates. His teammates will talk him into it. Uh, You know, perhaps they underestimated his, uh, his willingness to be stubborn on this. Um, You know, the guy's got a right to not take a vaccine to play devil's advocate. Um, You know, he really actually does. So um, it's not going to get him paid and it's not going to win him any friends and it's not going to improve his reputation as a guy who's not always the most reliable teammate. But uh, I I think Kyrie's, you know, Kyrie's dad always has influence on him and you don't know what's going on there in terms of what kind of advice he's getting. Um, So I, I think the advice is coming in from from a lot of different corners to Kyrie and and not all of it is. Um, it is like, hey, you're doing the wrong thing. I think there's probably some people who are supporting him and if, if not enabling this. So um, it'll play out the way it plays out. And I, I just wish for the sake of peace and to have something else to read about, the guy would take his jab, as the British say, and let <laughs> us talk about some some other issues. Well, let the, then let's move a little bit further, I guess, west from the, from the Gotham and, and talk about Ben Simmons, because obviously that's another soap opera. What do you think ultimately, and not, not holding you to it, but what do you think ultimately happens with him and the Sixers? I, I think they're going to trade him and they're not going to get anything near what they want for him. Um, certainly there's speculation out there that they're waiting on Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal. And, yeah, that would make a lot of sense if they truly believe that either of those two guys is going to become available. But they also have to um, know that there's a willingness in Washington and Portland to take Ben Simmons on. And let's face it, guys, Ben Simmons doesn't have the most stellar reputation as a a hard worker or a a big game player. And so you're not going to give up multiple first-round draft picks and add a good young player to bring in a guy who's, who's unproven like that. He's Ben Simmons is, is very much a create creature and a, uh, and a creation of Philadelphia and the Harris Blitzer ownership group. Um, they, they love that kid and they paid him a max salary, uh, you know, to be a superstar, but the guy wasn't really cut out for it. Um, talent wise, he, he's got a ton of talent. that's just not in the shooting and scoring department and certainly not in the confidence department. So, 
I think they'll end up trading him, and I, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna um, get back probably anything representing equal equal value. Um, but I'd say there's a half dozen teams out there that that would love to have Ben Simmons, and um, you know that I would. In normal times, I would expect a resolution to something like this before opening night. Um, times have not been normal for quite some time, so this one may drag on a little bit, and we may get, you know, we may see like what we saw with James Harden in Houston last year, just a few games with the old team where he doesn't look all that great, and then all of a sudden he gets he gets moved during the season, and uh, you know, then depending on where he lands, we'll see whether you know he can be rejuvenated or not, and whether he can be relevant or not. Do you know of any teams that have been aggressive in talks with Philly? I don't follow it that closely uh, the way I, I I used to, Andy. Um, I, I read it, you know, I read what's out there, and then I you know I look at the rosters and I wonder what makes sense. So that, a couple teams make sense to me: Cleveland because they can put Kevin Love into a deal, and you know if they were going to do Darius Garland and a pick, maybe that's something that uh, would interest both teams. Um. I think Indiana um, is sort of a sneaky possibility. I'm not sure where the they would make the salaries match there, and uh, and you know certainly Brogdon um, is a player that the Sixers would love to to have. So I don't think uh, necessarily think Indiana would do that. But Rick Carlisle has to get used to that roster and figure out who who he wants to keep and who he doesn't. And uh, I don't know that Rick's a big Ben Simmons fan uh, or not. Um, certainly, you know, you would think the guy's coachable when, but when like Doc Rivers can't get you to, you know, I mean, he got him to buy into the defensive player a year thing all year long last year. And Ben and Joel were both really, like really, really highly motivated. But when the, the lights were brightest in the playoffs, man, you know, um, Ben just didn't show up and, uh, and it was consistent a lot, you know, a lot of fourth quarters in a row where he just wouldn't take, take a shot. So. Um, and it's it's going to come to an end, I, I think, probably not as quickly as it should. Um, so my best prediction would be about two and a half to three weeks into the season, he gets moved. Well, I just can't imagine knowing Philadelphia, the reputation of those fans, if he plays five or ten games, what that reception is going to be for him. I mean, it'll almost be comical, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not going to do any any wonders for his psyche but, uh, you know, by by any means. Uh, let me ask you this, Chris. Uh, I'm based here in Chicago. I mean, the preseason doesn't really mean that much. But, you know, there's some some at least signs that the Bulls are going to be a better team. Uh, I think Lonzo Ball definitely is going to fit like a glove on this roster. And obviously, DeMar DeRozan is veteran presence. What, what are your overall thoughts on Chicago? Yeah, I mean, I'm like everybody. I, I think they had probably the best offseason of any team in the East, maybe Miami. I don't think Miami had a kind of a sneaky good off season, but Chicago certainly brought in the bigger names um, and getting DeRozan and, you know, Zach Levine was, was already like a, a, you know, a heck of a ball player. He just needed more guys around him. Now he's got Vucevic after last season's trade. Um, and, you know, the kid Williams um, is uh, Patrick Williams is uh not a bad uh, most improved player, but I know he's hurt right now. He's missing most of the preseason, but he, guys I know who follow the Bulls closely said, watch this kid. He's going to have a real breakout uh, year next year. 
So a, a lot of reasons to be optimistic if you're a Bulls fan, and you got to be loving the fact that what's going on in Brooklyn is going on in Brooklyn because every other team in the East, even Milwaukee, had to be looking at the Nets and say, wow, man, at full strength, with the additions they made, I don't know that we can we can beat that team four four times in a seven game series. So yeah, and for what it's worth, Chris Patrick Williams practice uh, full today and, and reported no problem whatsoever. So he's going to be ready to go by you know what the regular season starts middle of next week. So he'll be ready to go. Go ahead, Andy. I know you got something too. And and, and how about Nick fans, Chris? Uh, reason for optimism there or or not? Oh, absolutely. A reason to gamble, too, because the over-under on the Knicks is too low. Um, they were 41-31 and 31 last year, and their over-under is either 41.5 or 42.5. And, um, and, you know, they added Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker. Uh, they got a lot better. Those are two two really good players. Um, so it's not going to just be the Julius Randle show anymore. We'll see what, you know, what, what they get out of a guy like Kevin Knox or a guy like, like Obi Toppin who – they're, they've been waiting on Knox a year longer than on Toppin, but Toppin looked good in summer league, and it, it might be his, his kind of time to break out. But uh, the thing about the Knicks is they play – they're so loyal to, to Tibbs' style, and um, they're such a reflection of, of him as a coach and as a person. Um, they're dedicated to his system and, and getting things done his way. Um, and Like, they're a really likable team. Um, I, I, I think the Knicks, Knicks fans are going to have a lot to be happy about this year. The games against the Nets are going to be going to be you know really really exciting games, and you know I think the Knicks are a top four team in the East. They um, they were top four last year and they got better, so I'm not taking anything away from them. Um, so you know for, to me it'll it'll be something looking like Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami, and then a drop off to a, a bunch of teams in which that you can include the Knicks as maybe even the team that can be. Um, above the rest of them at the end of the regular season. Hey, Chris, let's go all the way out west. Andy and I already talked a little bit about the Lakers. I mean, I, I always laugh at some people saying, oh, my God, 0-5 in the in the preseason. That means almost nothing. I mean, when you have three of the best players in the NBA on a roster, you really got very little to worry about. And they're still the team to beat in the West. How do you see that ultimately working with those three guys and the rest of that roster? I, I think it'll take a little bit of time to break them in, but it won't take as much as they're saying. Um yeah, there's no reason to get alarmed over a zero in the win column in a preseason. These games mean nothing, especially to veteran teams, even more to more so to veteran teams than than younger teams that gotta use some of these games to build chemistry. So, um, you know, I think they put together um, a slamming team that that should should go all the way to the finals. I put money on Russell Westbrook for MVP because um, I got him at eighty five to one. I don't necessarily think he's going to win the award, but he's throwing lobs to to LeBron and Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard and Carmelo. You know, um, he had ten rebounds last night in in limited minutes. Um, he also had five turnovers. He's always been a heavy turnover guy, but uh, you know that that team again, the health of, with the older team, health is always going to be an issue. But let's say they had. AD LeBron and, and Westbrook together for 74 out of the 82 games. You got to think that they're going to win 64 of those. So I think they're somewhere in a, in in the mid 60s to high 60s in uh, in win totals, provided they stay healthy. Um, those older guys start dropping off. You know, you don't have a, an Alex Caruso around anymore. He's going to the Bulls. Um, you, you've just lost some of your uh, you know some of your your youth and energy. In a guy like a glue guy like that, so um, 
again, they they very much look like a roster built for one season, and um, but it's a bunch of guys we've seen around before, and having Westbrook, uh, Russell Westbrook on board running the show. Uh, people forget, but that guy was playing like the greatest basketball of his career the last month of the regular season uh, in Washington, putting up a triple-double every night. So, you know, that guy's not done. You know, my feeling is Simmons' exit uh, will help Joel Embiid win this MVP. I've always said it, it, it's tough to win an MVP when you have multiple stars on a team. And if Embiid doesn't get injured last year, he's got a great shot of winning it. So my pick this year is Embiid. I cannot say that's a bad pick. <laughs> it's actually a very it's a it's an astute pick and you can get them at a good price right now um but you know i go for the mega millions winners that's why i, I don't want i can't play and beat at eight to one <laughs> david you have a choice mvp choice betting aside just your mvp pick for this year dave david that was for you oh i'm sorry yeah that's for you pick you want you want my mvp pick um yeah. oh gosh uh uh, I have to think about that. Uh, and actually, I'd probably go with Embiid. I think he's okay. going to, you know, listen, he was in the running, obviously, until late injuries last season anyway. Um, and if Simmons isn't there, he's going to, you know, fill up the stat sheet even more so. They got to win, obviously. But if they win and, you know, he's up among the leaders in all the categories, yeah, I see him being the MVP. You know, I wanted to go back to the Knicks for a second. I was talking with David about this. Obviously, this town is so hungry for a championship. Uh, you know, you listen to sports talk radio, they've, they've got to get a number one guy. But realistically, I don't see that happening in the near future. Do you, Chris? I, they've got a number one guy in Julius Randle. I mean, your number one guy is who your number one guy is. Um, he won most improved player last year. Uh, he had a terrific, terrific season. That's your number one guy. You know, Kemba Walker is a New York guy, um, is a hell of a guy to bring in to, to give you another 20 points a night. You know, those guys don't fall off trees. Um, and so getting Kemba Walken was a big improvement. And then, you know, we'll see what Evan Fournier does. He's a – the Knicks have really uh, lacked reliable three-point shooting. R.J. Barrett hasn't quite gotten there over his first couple of years, and maybe he'll get there this year. Um, but his free-throw shooting and his three-point shooting have, have both not been what you'd expect out of a, a top-tier shooting guard. Um, so, it, you know, anyway, Andy – Look, man, it's a good team. You know, I'm sorry. Like, the Knicks are good. Um, they didn't have enough experience last year to to kind of get past the keg of dynamite that they ran up against with Trey Young and the uh, and the Atlanta Hawks. Um, but you know, I I just don't dislike their team. I like what Derrick Rose does with the second unit. And um, if Fournier is hitting his three three pointers at a, a well over forty percent. That's kind of the missing thing that they've uh, lacked over the last couple seasons. So um, I, I expect the Knicks to be, you know, a 50-win team. Like I said, top four, maybe beating out somebody like the Hawks for that four spot. And actually, you know what, Chris? I am a big Julius Randle fan. I believe, um, you know, he's got the ability to take his game to another level. And while we're just talking a little betting, Randle is available out there at 100 to one for MVP. So I'll throw that little nugget out there. Yeah. I'm not putting money on him for MVP brother, but <laughs> he's a nice player, but I don't think he's the MVP. Yeah. I, I got to agree with Chris on that. Even hundred to one is really tempting, but I don't think he's in the running. Um, Hey Chris, we were talking about this before you uh, signed in here. 
Uh, Hoops Hype has its top 75. And, and really, if you go over the top 75, you're, it's always pretty much the same names. But they got Bill Russell in their top five, along with Michael, LeBron, Kareem, and Magic. Andy had a problem with that. He, he, he's, he's the biggest Wilt fan I think I've ever known. And I, I don't disagree with him on this one. I mean, Russell's the ultimate winner, but I don't know if he's in my top five of all time. Yeah, I'd, it always comes down to what do you value more, the the individual statistics or the or the wins, because Russell won nine championships in 11 years. Nobody's done that since, and nobody will probably ever do that again. Um, and so that's going to stand up to the test of time. You know, just like some of Wilkes' records are going to withstand the test of time. And someone might score 101 one day. Like <laughs> Steph Curry could do it, but no one's ever going to average more than 48 minutes per game in a season. And wilted that he averaged 48 and a, and a, and change because he played every minute of every game, including overtimes, with like except for one six-minute stretch in in one season. He got double teched and and tossed. Otherwise, he played every minute of every game and that averaged out to more than uh, 48 minutes per game. And no one will ever break that record. So, you know, the, the greatest of all time debate is, you know, you can you can run yourself in circles and uh, trying to narrow it down to a top five. Okay, well then rank your top five. You know, who's the who's the the best ever and why? Um, and it it's you know it's a it's a great discussion. Um, it, everybody, you got to just kind of respect. Everybody's got a different opinion, and some people are going to value certain things over. Uh, over other things. And I think that's what you're seeing here with, um, with Russell getting in over Wilt, um, the winning, the championships, nine and 11 years that carries a ton of weight. Yeah. My, my contention was that actually I don't have a problem with, with Russell top five. I, my belief is that Wilt was better than Kareem. And we saw them play against each other when Wilt was past his prime and we had a young Kareem, but you know, it's just a matter of opinion, so not a big deal. Hey, Chris, uh, you know, the NBA is still toying with that midseason tournament. Obviously not this season, but maybe for next. I mean, obviously that's a money grab across the board. Do you see that happening at some point? Adam Silver has enough yes people around him to get pretty much anything he wants. So, yeah, I think it, I think they'll try it next year. I think it, it, no one's going to go for it because it doesn't make any sense. I know it works in English soccer or European soccer leagues, but that's a different brand of fan. Like, you know, everybody in the NBA competes for one thing, to be the last team standing. To, you know, to come out of a, a tournament that really means nothing in March, say, hey, we won the in-season tournament. Well, big, you know, big deal. <laughs> like, well, that's supposed to, we're supposed to get excited about that? Like, anybody, the players, the fans? No, I, I think, um, I think it's, it's not it's not the worst idea ever it's just not like a great idea and i don't think it should be implemented it's um there's there's other ways to make the the regular season more interesting and um it, you could start with some of the little things like the way the game is refereed um and and make some adjustments there rather than trying to come in with a an idea like this that you, you have no idea whether it's going to work or not um, and it would be actually a distraction that will take take away some of the sanctity of the 82-game regular season. And, and speaking of which, uh, also, you know, the play-in last year, the 9 and 10 teams, you know, going against the 7 and 8, you know, I, I had mixed emotions. I thought it was okay. You know, what are your feelings on that going forward? 
I, I, I didn't mind it. Um, uh, I liked it in the bubble. I, I thought it was necessary in the bubble. And then when they hung on to it, I said, you know, that kind of makes sense. Um, but it, what it had the, um, the impact of doing is in, instead of having teams chasing 16 spots where a little more than half the league makes the playoffs, there were 20 spots. And um, so it disincentivized winning regular season games because two third you knew two thirds of the teams were going to make the postseason in some way, shape, or form. Now you know certainly the nine, ten teams don't have it as as good because they're, they're one loss away. But you know you work all year to get the seven, eight, um, and it's it's become devalued as well. The um, because you can lose to a nine or a ten. Um, Golden State lost two in a row last year and didn't make it into the playoffs. So. Um, it's a double-edged sword, but, uh, I, I think the play-in tournament, uh, you know, having one-and-done games that early in the playoffs gets the playoffs off to a nice, uh, quick kick. Um, the, the other change I hope they make later in the playoffs this year is during the finals, don't drag it on for two weeks, man. Game night off, game night off, game night off. Game, that's how it goes. Um, that was interminable this past, uh, past June, um, just you know, waiting in with all the dead time between games, so I don't think it's necessary anymore. And um, I'd like to see the uh, the finals just take place every other night. I think it would be wonderful. One final question for me: How do you feel about this current style of play compared to the kind of physical wars we would see? I'll go back seventies, but eighties and even nineties. Yeah, it's just, it, it's such a different game. It, um, not only was it so more physical then, and you could you could actually guard guys, um, but the the shooting was nowhere near what it is now, Andy. Um, and the athleticism back then was nothing near what it what it's like now. Um, the the three ball, you know, when you got even a team like the Knicks saying we're going to take more than fifty three pointers a night, um, <laughs> you know, that's that drives a complete uh, change in the way the game of basketball is played because every time you're do, going down court, you're looking for three points before you're looking for two, which was not always the case. So with, with the shooting where it is now, um, Andy, especially I'd like it's apples and oranges to compare. Like I always go back to games in the nineties um, and even in the following decade, because there was some really low scoring Pistons Pacers games, playoff games that I covered. Um, you know, we, we just don't see 64, 63 ball games anymore. And I think that's a good thing. Some of those games were just like watching paint dry. They, they were boring. Um, some of them had an intrinsic beauty and some just didn't, they were just bad low scoring games. So, but the, with the, with the way guys can shoot the ball now, man, I don't, I don't see that era of basketball ever returning. It's just too much, too many good offensive players um, in, in the league. And, you know, you, you add in the fact that you can't guard guys anymore no hand checking, uh, you know, um, it, no physical defending. Um, it it's, gives offensive players kind of carte blanche to do what they want. And so I'd, I'd rather just see them let the guys play defense. Um, and, and that could kind of naturally combat some of the, you know, super stellar offensive talents that are out there. If you can at least get up on a guy and guard him without thinking you're going to get a flagrant for landing in his comfort zone, uh, make, make for a, a more a more casual um, attitude among the common NBA defender when he when he decides how hard he wants to defend a certain play. And Chris, last one from me. Uh, Andy and I, of course, are longtime hoop junkies. I got a feeling you're you're as well. I go back to, you know, the early Bulls days, 
you know, the Dick Mata, you know, Sloan, Van Leer, Bob Love, Chet Walker, Borwinkle, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I've always been a lover of basketball. And of course, watching the best basketball player, in my opinion, and many others, Michael Jordan, up close and personal for all his career, just, you know, wet my whistle even more. But where did you get, where was your initial love of basketball? What, you know, what was the first team or player or whatever that really struck you that made you fall in love with the sport? Yeah, my, I grew up in Milwaukee until second grade, so my, the first six years of my life I was in Milwaukee. So I went to see the Bucks a bunch of times the year they won the championship in 1970 and then the subsequent year. And Kareem was on the team at the time. He was Lou Alcindor. Uh, Oscar Robertson was on the team. Um, I actually remember listening to a ball game on the car radio with my dad where Oscar was playing for the Royals. Um, that might have been in 1969. But... Um, the I like the Bucks um, because my you know my dad took me to games down at the old Milwaukee Arena, and um, and they were good. Um, you know, <laughs> they could never get past the Celtics in the years after that, and they you know they they never really were what they were with when Kareem was on the team. But um, you know, when I was five five six year old kid, seven year old kid, I was I was in Milwaukee and taking a liking to the Bucks. After that. I moved to New York and I took a liking to the New York Nets of the ABA. Um, I was a huge Dr. J guy. So I became an ABA fan um, after I moved to New York. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, when I was younger also, we had the ABA games on Saturday night on one of the UHF channels. And if people are listening, what's a UHF channel? Well, those are the channels that were not 257 and 9 or something like that. And, and we used to watch the Kentucky Colonels and the old Indiana Pacers and, you know, some of those other teams. And, you know, that further made me fall in love with it. I mean, the ABA basketball was fantastic. And then you know, when they merged uh, and some of those guys came into the league, it just made the NBA even better. So I'm with you. And, and by the way, those 70 teams, uh, you know, Bob Dandridge never got the praise that he deserved. And there was Toby Kimball and John Block and, I think Flynn Robinson was on that team, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, that those are that was a really, really great basketball team. The, but now they got another championship in Milwaukee, so they're they're celebrating fifty years later. Yeah, the the fifty year wait was a long time, man. But it's the, the Knicks fans got to think, look at that, and say, oh, well, okay, if Bucks fans did it, we we haven't gotten to fifty yet. It's only it's only forty eight. <laughs> <laughs> two more, two more. Yeah. Hey, Chris, we, we greatly appreciate you joining us and giving us all the knowledge. It's fun talking basketball with you. Yeah, fellas, thanks for having me on, all right?